Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 19 of the Big Three Pod. We have myself, Alki, here today in Costa. How are you doing today, Costa? Hi, man. It's been a while. Uh, happy to be back. Yeah, it has been. Uh, Gav and I cleaned up a little bit last episode. Uh, I don't think, unfortunately, he'll be able to join us tonight, but uh, Costa and I will kind of take over duties, and let's get started right with it. The Big and last match of the year for the Greek League, the Cup. Pauk went 2-1 over Oliopakos. Um, I don't know. You want to get into thoughts on the game, the chatter afterwards, the those who can and can't take banter, or maybe both teams can't. There's a lot going on <laughs> with this result, man. It's, it's quite comical. I mean, uh, it was... Uh... Obviously, I didn't go into this final really rooting for anyone. Of course. Um, <laughs> it was... Uh, but I... Uh, not going to lie. It felt good to see, you know, the champions knocked off their perch a little bit. Um, it was a great game, a, though. It was a great game. I mean, we've talked a lot about how the rhythm and derbies this year has been, you know... just Lackluster. Average, yeah. Average, exactly, especially with the playoff system. And uh, that just wasn't the case wasn't the case this game uh, especially after uh, Socrates came off early on um, both teams were really pressing high really uh, especially Pauk I mean I was especially impressed by Pauk um, you know just one or two months back we had them on a par with Ajax in case of in in the sense of how they were playing uh, Pablo Garcia has really turned things around since then you know got them that second place finish obviously got them that cup win um, but yeah, Pauk played, Pauk played quite well, pressed high. Uh, Olympiacos, of course, had their chances as well. Um, Absolutely. Especially in the beginning of the second half, they were really pressing hard on the, on the gas pedal. Um, and obviously the rhythm started falling on late on in the game. And then we had, of course, that big, big ending at the end with that Karenchik finish towards the 90th minute. Absolutely. Um, all in all, just first impressions. I mean, a great game, really. And uh, well, we'll obviously get more into it. But Pablo Garcia sure seems to have turned things around lately. As for Olympiacos, uh, you know, at this point, it's a disappointment, especially to have it to Pauk, who I, they would probably consider their biggest rival at this point, just because of all the animosity that's been going on between the two clubs. Yeah, um, but <laughs> at the at the end of the day, I mean, it's uh you know you take that you move on. At the end of the day, they are still the best team in Greece, and uh, it'll hurt their pride a bit. You know, it's uh it did. But, did you uh, see what Valbuena posted on Instagram? No, I did not see that. What was that? Oh, uh, I'll have to pull <laughs> it up. I pull. I saw it after. You know, the typical banter going back and forth. I think it was taken out after. Mm. But uh, basically, he was, uh, yeah, I think it got taken down. I'm sure the Gate 7 boys probably have it somewhere. <laughs> basically, he uh, posted on there that, um, yeah, of course they do. <laughs> Let's see. Mm. I'm going to pull it up right now. All right. So he posted on his story. We get it. You just got laid and it feels good, right? But respect history. We left the crumbs for you, Pauk. A little meal, and it looks like you are already full. And full, he put full, as in you're full, and then slash full, like calling them a full. And then hashtag 46. 
Um, so of course, uh, before we get into the logical sense of things, let's just cover the banter and move on. Uh, anybody that gets a trophy, they're going to celebrate and rub it in. That's just competitive nature of sports. So of course they're going to rub it into the champions. Olympiacos were basically undefeated except for what one game I didn't look, you know, I haven't really paid too much attention to the last few games because they were just crowned champions. But uh, the banter, you know, of course, Balk is going to rub it in as much as they can because they just knocked off the champs and got a trophy out of the season. Um, of course, some Olympiacos players didn't take too kindly to it. You know, the, just a typical back and forth banter. It's great. I love this kind of stuff because uh, it's not often you see this kind of entertainment because, uh, you know, got to keep it cordial and professional at the end of the day it's still sport you represent a big club yada 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 so i personally enjoy it but at the end i still think and i'll get your thoughts here in a second it's it's is does it need to be taken that seriously like it's, it's just banter did it need to go as far as valbuena posting that i don't know it's still funny it's good i don't know if it'll anything will come of it really uh but you know it's it's quite a poetic way of what he said i mean he could have you know gone in very many different directions and instead really just went to you know metaphorically speaking breadcrumbs after getting laid metaphorically speaking sexual like that's it's it's kind of funny but i'm thinking is it a tad too far yeah i mean it's it's unprofessional it's probably not the worst that has gotten in greek football but yeah um no the way like it's definitely unprofessional. And I mean, uh, it's the reason it was taken down. Obviously, I get that for Olympiacos fans, this will probably, you know, it seems in the sense, yeah, it's good. You know, we have a winning mentality. We absolutely hate it when we lose. That's fair enough. Um, you know, you should have that mentality on the pitch. But off the pitch, when you lose this kind of game, you just need to shut up because... At the end of the day, yeah, it's kind of like coming with the whole know your place type of attitude, and yeah, yeah. I don't, know, I don't like that. Just, it's kind of a little <laughs> too arrogant, of course. You know, the like we yeah, said, the yeah. mentality is good to have every day, absolutely. But um, just exactly. take it on the chin and let it go. Just let them enjoy it. Let them rub it in. They're not catching you guys anytime soon. Come on. Uh, I don't know if it was taken down due to the nature of it or if it was taken down because obviously it was just on his story and, you know, those things expire. So I just thought Mm -hmm. that, you know, was the cherry on top of all the banter going on. (laughs) Of course, you know, fans in general are going back and forth. We we know how Pau can be in just in any league, the top teams. We all know how a win changes the mindset and mentality of what everyone says. But I want to get into the more logical sense of it because – Bauk, we've talked about them all season long. Uh, they won on a final, what, like nine-game pretty good streak. They won the cup. After the huge up-and-down season they've had, they finished second, and they come away with the trophy. Uh, do we see this as a successful season for Bauk? Taking all the emotions out of it. All disappointing because um, i know we can say disappointing in the sense that like hey why can we do this earlier in the season maybe we could have gotten closer to olibiacos and i'll go off on that wild take after but just from a strict standpoint just looking at it 
if a if a foreigner outsider comes in and sees the results of the you know season and says, okay, Pauk finished second, got a trophy. Is that a success to you? I mean, on the one hand, you have to say that I wouldn't. For one thing, it can't be an unsuccessful season. On the other hand, I think you also need to consider uh, Pablo Garcia did not have an entire season to prepare for this. So, especially when thinking about the manager, you know, that's something to consider. He has, in a way, redeemed himself lately. Um, but then, of course, there is that danger of just considering that latest run of good form and using that as a basing point to make decisions. This is why Ayek, for example, always starts out with these managers that perform well in spring, like Massimo Carrera, who did well and then, you know, sort of dipped later on. Manolo Jimenez, you know, it, it happens always. Um, but just the way they were playing in the last few games, not just getting results, but they were actually playing some good football as well. I remember when I watched uh, the Saloniki Derby. Well, I watched both. And in the beginning of the season, uh, or I, I don't know, midway through the season, the one that Aris won 1 0, they were really the, you know, Pauk did not have a kick in the game. They were not performing. Aris were keeping it solid at the back, but Pauk hardly had any chances. Yep. Um, and in the 2 0 win that Pauk had just, I think, two weeks ago, um, they were, I mean, they were dominant. I think I even have the XG numbers here. Uh, they were, for example, two, 220 to 0 0.24. They kept Aris, a team who I would call maybe the, you know, the surprise of the season, surprise mm -hmm. package of the season, to 0 0.24 expected goals. And that is, uh, you know, Obviously, I'm not basing everything off one game, but it does show Pauk have really uh, developed lately. Um, and at the end of the day, I think when you consider the rosters at the beginning of the season, a more logical person would say, yeah, they don't have a kick in challenge. Well, the so that's, that's going to be my next thing is, mm -hmm. I think you have to consider success just based on the sole fact that there's all these rumors of Zolis might leave. Or that's inevitable, maybe at this point. So you lose him and all that production he has. Uh, it's been publicly said that Kremenchek won't be returning. Um, two very big key pieces. They lost. Uh, they got Warda back, but you know they've got you know the midfield is kind of stacked. Uh, Garcia is he? still gonna even stay? Yeah, we're praising him for his form and stuff, but like we covered in the last episode, his kind of just attitude and body language kind of just says or it's implied that he was brought in to in a sense steady the ship and you know obviously this is successful maybe winning this changes the conversation in summer for an extension but it, it it seemed like you know he was here for the end of the season get whatever you can keep us in europe and and that's it thank you and we'll move on so there's three really big pieces that, you know, they lose the coach, Kermenchek, and Zolis. Like, those are a lot of shoes to fill. Obviously, coaching, it's going to be inevitable. It always happens, especially in Greece. But uh, filling the shoes of Zolis and Kermenchek, which we know they've needed a striking presence, is that on its own. I don't know if they'll get the same success next year. Yeah, and I mean, uh, not just that. I think, honestly, I could see Pablo Garcia staying. He did uh, sign a contract until 2023, I believe, uh, sometime in November, December back then. 
Mm-hmm. Um, Ivan has the money to fire him. I'm not saying he doesn't, but uh, at this point, I'm not sure what other options you'd find out there. And if anything shows that, I think it's the search by Ike and Panathinaikos over the last days for their new manager. I mean, they're... Well, Panathinaikos, I think, got one. And I think Ike are basically finalizing yeah, theirs. Yeah, Ike, Ike are finalizing their deals. Um, I wouldn't call either of them really high-quality managers in that sense. You know, they came from... I think they both came from the Serbian League, actually. Which yeah, they're like, they... what, just above us, and they topped us in the coefficients yeah. throughout the year. So, I mean, the Serbian League's Perhaps becoming we great. Yeah. yeah, we should. Uh, <laughs> they've got a good track record, obviously. I think they're still somewhat younger coaches. Step in the right direction, bringing, you know, someone to clean up and start from scratch. But, again, that's been my thing all year. Starting from scratch is just what's the point when you've built up this whole season and how it ended. But... Yeah. Neither here or there. I guess to, to finish off, at least with Balkan Olympiakos, uh, on the flip side, Olympiakos, obviously, probably very disappointed. I wouldn't say the whole arrogance got to him because we saw that they were there and they, they did compete yeah. and push Balk. So it wasn't, again, it was probably a, one of the most entertaining games of the season, I'd say. Um, it just ended up being they didn't have enough to top Balk. Balk just kind of overcame it. Um, and I think that's that. I mean, they still dominated, so mm-hmm. not much more to say on it, honestly. Um, I yeah. guess that kind of leads us into, uh, I guess since we're talking about coaching changes, I can put on thank us. Obviously, we just talked about they've got theirs solidified basically almost in a sense or getting close to it. We talked earlier this week. Basta's coach going to Atromitos. And I know you thought that we all thought that was a very bizarre and B what uh, I guess linear move in that sense. But again, it goes back to just a very bizarre change and why he would pick Atromitos. Yeah. I mean, first when I saw it, I thought, well, surely, you know, there's some reason he, he wants to be working in Athens, you know, maybe he has family there or maybe, maybe he just likes the nightlife and wants to be away from Janina who knows but um, (laughs) yeah it doesn't make as a football from a footballing point of view I wouldn't say it makes sense because Pazianna have been you know he's been at the club for two years he's been able to more or less have an influence in the transfers you know this is more or less his squad he's built up they've made a lot of changes Uh, you know since when he was hired it's almost no comparison to the team in 2019 that got relegated. Um, so this is really his squad he's built up. He's had the, um, I think he's the longest serving manager, in fact, after Martins in the league. Yeah, it's odd. Um, I was reading and I'm thinking maybe maybe he thinks it's tapped out there. That's that's what he's yeah. going to get. I don't know. It's, it is kind of odd, especially the way Hellas Footy posted it that because I think his contract wasn't even over yet. It was over like next year, the year after, but basically got worded in that article. Like they asked for him and he took it and terminated his contract with boss. Like basically them, like in a sense, like it sounded like there was no second thought. No, he jumped at it like right away. 
Um, so I don't, I don't know. It's, it's very, very bizarre. Cause it's not like he's jumping again to a team that's going to allow him to spend anything crazy. Uh, it's not an upgrade. If anything, compared to how boss has done the last couple of years since then, I say it's a downgrade, but, uh, yeah, just, it's just really strange. Yeah. I mean, the only thing I could imagine is, you know, obviously the takeover attempt, uh, Spanos is selling at Romitos. They're planning to anyway. Um, and uh, the only thing I could imagine, you know, maybe they have some new project over there or something like yeah. that. When they were, when, you know, uh, their president, Michalis Bosis, took over a year, about a year ago now. Or no, two years now at this point. Um, that's the only thing I could imagine, really. And it's a good move for Atromitos by all means, because I feel like their squad was always too good to even, you know, they were even in the relegation battle at some point. They were only, what, six, seven points off the drop. Never got yeah. really stressful. It never got really stressful for them, but their squad is way too good to be in there with players like, uh, you know, Christodoulopoulos or just even just experienced Super League players like, I don't know, Manusos and, you know, those kind of, you know, Rodrigo Gallo. Yeah, no, it's... That kind yeah. of squad should not be in the relegation battle. Um We'll see. I it mean, is what it's it just, is. It's, it's yeah, a good it's, move for them, for sure. Oh, absolutely. Um, just, yeah, it was, it was really bizarre. Um, I think that kind of helps, though, because uh, speaking of just the same topics, Gav would have had some good input, but he was still pretty upset over the results of the Cup. So I uh, don't know how much input he might have had for this one. <laughs> If it's uh, any consolation for the Olympiacos fans out there, we've done this three years in a row, so it can get losing to Falk in the final. So yeah, that's true. It, you it's know, worse. <laughs> it is definitely it worse. It could always so. be worse. <laughs> well, I guess we'll move on to uh, we're kind of gonna do a little segment. Costa, uh, I'll let you take over then. Uh, maybe some awards or achievements, what we thought uh, within the league, and I'll let you kind of start from there, and then I'll bounce off of that. We'll go from there. Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, for starters, a player of the season, I gave it a lot of thought. Um, Because the thing is, first of all, you could measure it by, obviously, who's absolutely the best player uh, in the entire league. Um, Obviously, I factored that in as well, but I mainly decided to go off, you know, who has helped their team the most, who has had the most influence, so to speak, you know, positive influence on their team. And... uh, Eventually, I think, uh, you know, I was thinking perhaps El Arabi, you know, he's been a constant force in that attack. I eventually oh. said Madi Kamara. I would say Madi Kamara has been consistent the entire time in their midfield. Uh, the guy, I mean, he's defensively strong, but offensively, he's got massive output. He got a couple of goals this season. Um, unfortunately, some of them were against Ike as well, multiple ones. Um, I think there's news that he he put a pretty heartfelt message in a sense, basically exactly. he's not staying too. So yeah. very I'm bitter. Sure that was his that was the send off season. And I wonder where he's going. It. I don't think there's word of where exactly. I'd I'd have to look into that some more. But it was it was a little odd because yeah, he finally found some really good consistent form, which I think was one of his biggest. Uh, downfalls and i like that mm. pick because like you said he he was kind of the sleeper pick you know you've always got the el arabis the fortunis who was i think actually pretty disappointing 
for a season for mm-hmm. him and you know other stars on there Masuras the emergence of him but Camaral was just there were lots of games where he literally was doing everything you know he was playing out wider to help the system he was doing box to box which we know is like a huge I almost kind of compare him to he's like Olympiacos's Gundogan kind of just Gundogan. slept a little bit all season you weren't really paying attention then when you started seeing him score some goals do this do that kind of doing just a little bit of everything you're like okay he was like the key to their success there's always going to be El Arabi's always going to score Fortunis. He's always going to have his moments, uh, but nobody yeah. was relying or thinking Camara was going to be yeah. the guy that's going to make it all work. Yeah. So that that's a good pick. I like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, personally, he reminded me also a lot of uh, Marcos Llorente for Atletico. He's uh, yeah, that's the guy, true. He's so he's so versatile. He can play. I mean, everywhere literally. Yeah, exactly. In this case, and uh, I mean, uh, rumors are about Premier League. The Premier, you know, several Premier League clubs are interested. Um, wouldn't surprise me if we see him at some, you know, not mid-table club, you know, kind of a club with a fighting chance in the top top spots. Someone like you know a Wolves lead side. I feel like he could fit a lead side very well. Um, yeah, that that would be a good anyway, fit. Those Absolutely. kind of moves would be possible. But yeah, what I mean, what would be your pick for player of the season? <sighs> um, I'm gonna have to come back to that one because I'm curious to see what your <laughs> picks are for some other awards. Because okay, okay, I typically don't like, you know, there's certain players that could be very deserving of two awards. Um, but I know typically that never happens just like in other sports. I see like, you know, we've seen guys like Giannis who deserves to be the MVP, but he also deserves to be defensive player of the year type of thing. And that's just never going to happen. So I'll hold off on that. See what you pick for the other ones. I didn't pick him as my best midfielder. So gotcha. Okay. Same, same principle, same principle here. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Um, Fair enough. We'll come back to that one then. Yeah, I guess we'll move on. So, uh, striker of the season, uh, I would go Duvikas. Duvikas had his first breakout season. Um, the guy played zero, I think, zero games. I think he played zero games last season for Asteras. Yeah, he didn't feature uh, at all. He he yeah. came out. So, I guess that'll kind of determine. So, to answer your previous question, I'm going to put player of the season for me is going to be Zolis. Mm-hmm. Um, I would have probably picked him for like the best youngster, but that's like kind of a three-way tie for me. Uh, yeah. it's kind of hard to not pick El Arabi if we're take if we're sticking to strictly just the league, because he was not mm-hmm. very good. I'm very critical yeah, he was of not him. Present in Europe. He was just not present in Europe, but he definitely, um, I think takes that cake. I absolutely love Duvikas and I think he definitely gets an honorable mention but for me I'm going to stick with El Arabi Duvikas you know easily you know if El Arabi wasn't in the picture at all if he was playing somewhere else I think Duvikas would take that cake for me yeah I mean when you look at the goal statistics 
you know, it's pretty clear you have El Arabi with 22 and, uh, you know, the next player, Ansari Fard and Masuras are both on 13. That's a, that's a big gap. Obviously, you know, El Arabi is in this Olympiaco system, which allows him to score a lot of goals, gives him, you know, not easy by any means, but good opportunities. And I feel like that's, that's the main reason I think I went with the weakest is just... This Volos team did not have a lot of, lot of output. He had to be very clinical. Or it, it did have output, obviously, but not to that not extent. Not to that extent, the, no. It was very exactly. selective. You know, they weren't scoring, averaging two, three goals a game. You know, we'd see them certain yeah. one game, they'd score four. In other games, they'd go 0-0-1-0, a lot of them. So it was very conservative play from them, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think honorable mention also has to go to Masuras because he, I mean, the guy got bashed on by Olbiakos fans as well. And obviously yeah, also Greece, Greece fans, perhaps deservedly because he's been terrible at the, on the ethnic level. But uh, he's really shown up for Olbiakos this season. You know, a lot of people have talked about his consistency and uh, he obviously didn't get too much done in Europe, but 13 goals is still an admirable return and so see yeah he's my he would be my i don't know have you if you have this on the category like your most improved Mm -hmm. or your breakout player of the year that that's who my award is going to is masuras for that Mm -hmm. yeah that's a good shout um yeah honestly i'd agree with you on that one as a breakout player he didn't necessarily break out he already played a lot last season but just this season he yeah, so breakout, really most improved, whatever you kind of want to call yeah, it. Yeah. You know, yeah, he yeah. he still and, improved you know, drastically in as far as his play and output since last season. You know, and I mean him and uh, Buchalakis alike. You know, I always kind of look at those two players together because they were always criticized together. Absolutely, and especially Buchalakis too. Yeah, and they both had great seasons. Um, yep. So credit to them. They're going to be rewarded as well with new contracts, um, as we've read online. So, yeah, obviously credit to him. Uh, those are like really, you know, the main shouts, I would say, for striker, the people do, who have probably performed the best. Um, and then when I moved on to mid, when moving on to midfield now, this is a tough one because uh, I feel like midfield-wise, apart from Olympiacos, you know, with Mari Camara running the show, the best midfield in this, uh, I think Ari said the best midfield in this in the league because that combo of uh, Sasha, Bertolio in the middle, uh, you know, up front, at top, uh, Sasha and Jego, and then Bertolio in front of them uh, did wonders this season, especially Sasha and Jego in the middle. I'm going to go with James Jego. Um, that guy had a, he was very under the radar. Uh, with his entire season, as you know, these kind of midfielders usually are. Their work often goes unseen, but he's had a pretty great season. I mean, I think I, I remember seeing a statistic that he was top of the league in uh, steals or interceptions, basically. Yep. Um, and a lot of Aris players were up there as well. That that Aris midfield in general is just a high-tempo machine. Really. The midfield in general in the league is, like, I think not one of the not spoken enough of topics because they're mm-hmm. the top teams have great midfields i'd say with the exception of maybe bauk but they got warda back to level that out but 
Aris, great midfield. Uh, before his injury, you know, Panathinaikos with Kubelis and yeah. with Alexandropoulos coming out. Um, obviously, Olympiakos with Kamara and Fortunis and those in Buhalakis. Um, but shout out even like look at teams like Volos who, you know, when Warda left and even prior to that, I mean, Nini was a big integral part of yeah. Volos's success too. Um, trying to take the bias out of me because I love him in former Panathinaikos. But like there's, and then there's Adis who, like you said, he, they didn't have a true and true striker really all season or, you know, they collectively just constantly scored. So there's like four or five teams right there who their midfields were just always the reason, I think, for why their success was the way there was. And it's kind of, it seems funny to talk about it because like kind of obvious but it's something that you really just don't think of because there's no successful team in this world without one to two great midfielders and it always prevents a team from being good to being great um i mean you see it across over the de Bruyne's and the modriches and you know all that you know it's the key piece to it all so yeah and i feel de Bruyne and modric in fact are recognized even more than most some strikers and stuff they have offensive output as well exactly like, uh, especially players like Kurbelis, like jago uh, like i don't know halanopoulos for example yeah if he stays there, healthy he didn't, I mean, have a, didn't, he have a, didn't have didn't have a great season yeah didn't have he a great season but there. goes goes under the radar a lot yeah stuff uh, like that that's he, what i'm talking about yeah and um they've been the most important part of the they're the most important part of their teams, really, especially Jego and a team like Aris, which, um, you know, plays a high line, but has kept their defense extremely solid. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's been one of the main reasons it's happened. And I remember when they played Ayak, uh, I think it was sometime in February, they uh, a 1-0 win at Doaka. Um, they just dominate, or not even dominate, they just completely nullified our midfield, our attacking midfield. Madalos was unable to do anything. Um, I don't know, either Tankovic. Uh, you know, Garcia was okay still because he was playing against their left back. But just playing through the midfield was almost impossible. So, yeah, that's where I'm going to go for them. Obviously, uh, a lot of other players were close to making the cut. I think Buhalakis has had an excellent season. Absolutely. Uh, that's why I can't pick just a sole. Yeah. I'm yeah. gonna have to say no on this and one I think because sh- you could pick so many. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh shout out, I think Schwab at Bauk also had a pretty good uh, especially towards the start of the season, he kind of dipped, you know, mid-season around December, February, that period. Yeah. But uh he's finished strong again, you know, won that penalty in the final, and uh he's been a good presence as well in their midfield. So as you said, a lot of considerations. Uh we'll move on now from midfield. Um we're going to go to defense, and that was a tough one because if you simply judge defenders of how important they are to their teams, mm-hmm. I would go, for example, with Schenkefeld at Panath Michaels. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Been, yeah, but then obviously you have to consider overall quality. You know, how does he compare to the rest of the league? For me, it was a bit of a tie. It was Schenkefeld had to be up there. Um, I think Rose at Aris also had an amazing season. And I also think uh, Ba at Olbiakos, even if he was kind of frozen out towards the end. 
uh, that's interesting because most people would pick Semedo over Bach. Semedo, yeah, Semedo. I feel like Semedo is uh, more of an error prone defender. He's very Bach. error prone. Yeah, he's very error prone. Um, Bach is too, but it's like off the field or after the fact. It doesn't affect play sometimes. Yeah, Bach just has these crazy moments sometimes. Yeah, mentally, yeah, and... yeah. That doesn't really <laughs> exactly. affect like the actual run of play. Some it does sometimes, but yeah. Uh, I'm going to exactly. definitely go with Schenkfeld just if we're basing off just defense. And honestly, if it wasn't for him, we saw how bad Barnathnikos was when he went down with his injury towards the end of the season. Um, so that's definitely going to be my pick for defender. Yeah, no, I, I mean, as I said, yeah, he, without him, Barnathnikos, or as you said, sorry, uh, Barnathnikos without him are just, unable to defend and especially in a system like Bolognese which is you know very defensive we all know yeah, that uh, absolutely <laughs> <laughs> we all know that uh he was an integral part you know without him I don't think you're able to go on that run if you're part of you're able to go on that unbeaten run obviously absolutely with how important he is so yeah I feel like there's a good consensus there if you'd say Schenkeveld uh, yeah he can take that one home um all right. And then goalkeeper goalkeeper is interesting because Pascalakis is out of the question. Athanasiadis or Tsidotis or whatever out of the is out of the question as well. But I'm not sure who you go for between Sa and Diudis. <sighs> Diudis, since that Olympiakos derby, never was the same. Like he had a yeah. great few He's games the- here and there, but he did still dip like in that last game the last two games uh, before, you know, he was benched obviously for, you know, seasons over at that point still, which game was it where they ended up with a draw? I think it was the second or third to last game and they were up and he just had a really bad moment at the end and ended up costing the goal and they drew. I think that was, was that Asteras? I'm not sure. Could have been Asteras. Yeah. At any rate. Yeah. Actually, no, Steras wasn't a late goal. I'm going to give it to yeah, Sa anyway. because I think Sa was a little bit more consistent across the board. I think Diudis had hmm, – that's probably a bold statement to make, but I think Diudis was just as important to Panathinaikos for about 75% of the year as Schenkfeld was. Obviously, Schenkfeld meant more uh, just in the sense because Diudis started to fall off form. So mm-hmm. – the consistency really cost him. I'm going to unfortunately have to go with Sa because Diudis is my yeah. boy. I do like him a lot, but <laughs> I'm going to have to pick Sa. Yeah. Actually, now that, now that I think of it, I think the game you mean was against Ike because uh, it was the Ike game. I was going to say Levi it wasn't Garcia, against yeah, yeah. Levi Garcia scored like because they were pressing minutes. hard to try to get a, a draw at the very least. I remember and. Yeah, yeah, it was, was it was the Ike game. You're absolutely right. That was a that was a frustrating game. That was frustrating as hell <laughs> to watch. Um, but at the end, you know, a point is a point. I'm I'd have to agree with you. Um the Udis had a good like mid-season, you know, kind of coincided with when Bath Nekos were playing really well. He was just a constant force. And uh I don't know why I feel like that the uh, Asteras draw broke him. Cause uh <laughs> 
you know, the one where Papadopoulos scored that 95th minute. Yeah. Since Ooh. then, you know, Diodis in the last five minutes were just, was just doing, you know, up to his antics, trying to draw everything he could, man. It gets old. And then it, exactly. And then it blow, blew up in his face. I don't know. I feel like ever since then, uh, ah, he hasn't been exactly the same. No. But, uh, is, that game changed him, man. <laughs> that game and Olympiacos, obviously. Yeah. He, uh, didn't do so well either. But, um, well, didn't do so well. He had a couple of mistakes. But uh, apart from that, he's had a great season as well. So he gets an honorable mention. I don't think he yeah. takes home the award. No. But, uh, you know, considering Ike and Pauk have had these big goalkeeping issues. Okay, Pascalakis had, <laughs> had a good final. So I was gonna... reading somebody posted it earlier on Twitter right before we got on that he's going to be considered for the ethniki call-ups for these friendlies coming up. I don't think he'll be starting. Maybe he might, but he's at least going to be called up. Um, and I don't know if you saw that, but that just... That got you. Yeah, I, I, I saw that, actually. I think you commented on that. <laughs> Yeah, maybe I did. No, I think I refrained. I think I deleted after because I've, I've been starting too much shit today on Twitter. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I mean, there's not there's some good honorable mentions for like some of the mid table teams where their keepers weren't. I wouldn't say they're anywhere near Deuteronomy or Saw, but they were respectable. I think there are some keepers out there that had a did a better job than Ike and. Bauk's keepers oh, this year. Yeah. I mean, like Astetis and Bas's keepers have been really good. Um, yeah. I'd say, but yeah, um, yeah, I, yeah, I think yeah, keeper Ludigan has done really well. Since the coming keeper in uh, positions kind of locked up between those two. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, agreed. I'm. Yeah. Then uh, since we'll go back to uh, let's let's cover since we said most improved or breakout, who's your youngster of the year? Because for me, that would be Duvikas for me. That's that's the word he's going to yeah. take home for me. But mm-hmm. obviously you picked them for striker of the season. So exactly. I mean, obvious enough. Uh, Zolis. Uh, yeah. I mean, obviously, since I don't have him as player of the season, you have to go for Zolis there. You know, amazing breakout season. Scored a lot. He's he's dipped a bit lately, but uh, I think he's been, he's just been overplayed a lot as well. Yeah, so he's been playing a, really l- a lot less. Like the five last five yeah. six game of the year, I think it's good that Pablo Garcia has been taking it a bit easy with him. You know, not overplaying him because he was starting every game at some point in the early and playing game. heavy minutes too. Yeah, and from the start that. of last season too, I think it's not just this season alone. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, heavy the schedule, end, I pandemic, all that stuff combined, playing all those minutes, it's like it takes a toll on your body, especially yeah, if I you mean, know. I said this earlier in the week, especially if they're looking to sell him, can't keep playing him and afford an injury, and then now you're yeah. stuck. So, yeah, no, agreed, agreed. Yeah, that must have also been a reason behind him not playing that's, that much. So, what Gavin, um, I thought last episode. <laughs> Yeah, no, that makes sense. Um, and Thuvikas, as you said, would have taken home, you know, obviously, it's it's the way the awards work. Um, he's had a great season too. And uh, Alexandropoulos, we haven't talked about him much yet. but uh, Yeah, that's why I didn't pick a midfielder because he could easily, you could say that for him, obviously, he's not going to be on the camera or Fortuny's level, but, you know, he, he plays midfield differently than what his impact is still immense, but easily... Yeah. Young Player of the Year award too. Yeah, um, he's just been. 
obviously you could say, yeah, defensive midfielders are going to shine in a defensive system, but he has been like, even in Bologna's system, he's had like, passing in too. a way. Yeah, and he's dynamic as well. He can he's he can really push forward sometimes when it's needed. Uh, his passing, as you said, is pretty excellent as well. Um, like us just need to be worried about his contract really or him leaving because. God knows how many talents. Have, I uh, thought I read a few weeks ago that they were they were locking him down like immediately, like I if they didn't already. But I don't know if that okay, whole talk or not sure if there was. An, I don't think yeah, there's anything I, I, official. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember there was a we they were talking about a release clause for of what two million. Yeah. So uh, and I think I think it did went through it did go through just with you know that release clause. Got if it, you're Pathnikos, I think I remember there was a discussion on this. Uh, you know, saying you're giving away your best players for peanuts and all that. The thing is, Pathnikos have <laughs> they've been giving away your players for free for ages now. Uh, or in, then I mean, they wonder why would, they get caught up in yeah, this I would, FFP I would stuff because it's like you're selling five six players for 500k each, and then that same sum you're spending like six or seven million on foreigners each, and it's like. Well, that doesn't add up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, Alexa, I mean, two million in the Greek league, it's not a terrible sum, to be honest with you, especially for a yeah, club. Yeah, but you obviously you expect a team, more. A team like Pauk or Libyakos come in, they just lost, let's say, Gamara, and Pauk need a midfielder, Warda leaves. Two million is not much for them. That's easy spend. They can afford it. Yeah, but at that point, I also feel like uh, he had, what, one year left on his contract? At that point, if you start the season as Bath Night goes and with, I mean, when a player is, you know, heading into the last year of his contract, that player is a lot of leverage. Oh, so, absolutely. I see it yeah. with Sancho and yeah, Holland yeah. I'm dealing with. I think <laughs> this is a huge, huge miss for Panath because Kurbeles hasn't played for mm-hmm. what, a year now? I think it's been, I mean, he, he got injured in December, no? I think uh, half a year. Yeah, half a year, but that's still, that's a long time, man, off of the Mm. field. That's a long-term injury where it's going to take him an additional two or three months when he can get back on to get back into any type of form. And we don't even know what type of form he'll be in. Um, Bologna brought in these foreigners. Sankare was great. I hope we keep him. But, you know, there's a lot of just uncertainty in the midfield. And when you've got a star like, Alexandropoulos, you would think that they would tie him down to either both a higher release clause and or at least tie him up or extend him for at least another year. Yeah. Yeah, but, I'm agreed. But contract running contracts is, uh, for the most teams, not a strength in Greece. I think Olympiakos and Pauk do a pretty good job of it. Um, every other team, obviously, you know, they, they're not financially strong enough maybe to be able to give everyone a long-term contract, but right. I forgot, for God's sake, this is your, you know, one of your best young players heading into the future. At this point, just give him what he wants. I mean, he's an academy graduate. His demands won't surely won't be that high. I'm, I'm wondering if they're waiting mm-hmm. to see how the summer plays out with, you know, appointments and what Alafuzos is going to really allow the new staff to do and, or what money they get from, Guys like Giovanni, if he leaves, or just you know, offloading the deadwood or players that just don't fit anymore, like the Macheras and stuff like that, because they could still fetch some money for them. 
It just, I yeah. think they, they might be waiting for that before they start handing out contracts, but yeah, I, I guess that's we'll true. see. We'll see what happens. Um, <laughs> my only other question for you then is just even outside the league, who's your Greek player of the year? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's easy enough in this case. You have to go with obviously Akumakis, I would say. Um, okay. There's players that have performed. I would say Jan Nullis, for example, has been great at Norwich throughout the entire season. He gets an honorable mention. Uh, Kyriakopoulos has been absolutely balling for Sassuolo. He has been showing good signs. Um, is Fortunis and like the Buchalakis, like obviously the starter material, are they the only Greek players that won uh, a trophy or the league this year? I didn't pay oh. attention to what happened over in Turkey. I mean, I mean, we can check. I mean, I'm talking like, you know, starter material kind of guys, not yeah, guys yeah. like... Uh, doesn't City have a... No, that's an American player, I'm thinking. But, like, you know, the American fans are getting all hyped up because they have Pulisic on Chelsea, and then there's a keeper. He's, like, <laughs> second or third string on City, and it's like he's not going to play, yeah. guys. <laughs> I think uh, <laughs> I think Ajax's second keeper is Greek. So there's uh, or I I remember the Costas Labru that guy used to play for Ajax back in the day. Yeah, he plays for AZ, I think. I know he's actually no, he's actually moved away now. He plays at the uh, Valvik. Not sure. Okay. I got that name. Not sure I got that name right, but uh, I know AZ uh, has a has a. No, they have that keeper too. Uh, I think. Unless he's like half Greek, I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, no, Besiktas nah, won the uh, Turkish league, so I don't think they have. Well, I'd actually, I don't know if. Yeah, they won it, even though they tied with Galatasaray. They beat them on. Uh, yeah. Um, so I think, yeah, is it Bukalakis? And Fortunis, like Bukalakis, and I guess Zolis, if you count the cup as a. Yeah, that's Zolis. true. Okay. Um, if you count the cup. Oh, and uh, Yanulis won the championship. Oh, that's right. They got promoted. So, yeah, I know this is an honorable mention, I guess. Yeah, I think mm. he, I mean, he's he's going to be starting in the Premier League, which would be extremely ironic considering, you know, how much better Zimikas was in terms of, you know, his stock price last summer. Uh, it really shows you how much of a difference the right move can make. Obviously, if Liverpool comes in. For Maybe, the game, but that. how much did Zimikas go for? I think 10, 11 million. Is how much I is Yanulis's buy on for Norwich? 6.5. I think it was. 6. Oh, 5. I thought it was much more than that. Uh, not sure. Let me. I think the half, check, but the half, while you're looking that up, I think the half price mm-hmm. cost and that also goes with a championship side coming in and buying him versus uh, EPL side. And of course, Norwich is nowhere near at the moment Liverpool status. So. Yeah, that kind of counts for stuff, but you know, six and a half million, it's still good. Mm, yeah, actually, it's seven and a half. Just double check. So okay, yeah, it's a bit, it's a bit higher. It's a, it's a good fee, honestly. Can I mean, we know he's a quality player. He starts with Ethniki, um, more or less. You know, whether we think that's right or not is another matter. <laughs> But he does start. I mean, it goes with, you know, I had this conversation with a lot of people just in general. And it's it's you got to pick players based on form and not even just the better talent sometimes, because 
Tsimikas obviously is probably the better talent if we want to be honest. And I don't think it's that by that far, but just if we're saying it, yeah, yeah. Tsimikas is the better player talent wise, but in yeah. form, and, he's just not playing. You can't, you know, yes, he had that good, that great game against Spain. Um, but that was his first showing and for how long were Yanulis came off an injury and still proved to be good, but he's been playing and he's in form and he is winning and, uh, it's hard yeah. to pick stuff like that. So I'll commend Yakumakis for what he's accomplished is amazing. Uh, yeah. I'm going to take Yanulis for that, but I wouldn't be mad if somebody changed my mind about picking Yakumakis. He scored. They got relegated. He did find yeah, his exactly. place, but playing for a team where he scored – Nearly, I think, more than half their There's goals. There's 26, I think. 26 league goals out of I think they 43. had like 43, so that's more than half yeah, of it's their over goals. Half. Like, we haven't <laughs> seen it. I need to I need to see it again. I need it not even to 26, even if he scores 15, 18 goals. And once he moves elsewhere, or even if he stays there, uh, then I can say it. Where we've seen Yanulis perform at Pau for multiple seasons and got his move to Norwich and he's continued. So that's my only thing. I'm, I'm not mad at the Yakumaki's pick because for obvious reasons, why yeah, he's yeah. not being picked. Nethniki, that's a different conversation, but when he has been, we haven't really seen too much from him. So it's hard to say. And yeah. But I mean, also Yakumaki's, I feel like just, he has all the hallmarks of a one season wonder right now. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, that I think that's the main reason I even picked him. It's because it's just you know, let him have his moment. Him. Yeah, I have it for this season because I really don't think it's coming next season again. Um, I hope he doesn't get a big move, a big profile move. If he goes to perhaps a top, you know, to somewhere towards the top, uh, top half of the Eredivis- table at least, Eredivisie side. Yeah, exactly. Something like Vitesse, Feyenoord. Maybe Utrecht, uh, you know, depending on. I think they had a playoff against. Yeah, Feyenoord made Europe over them, but uh, yeah. Well, they just rate, got Duvikas too, so. Yeah, exactly. We don't know like, if that would be exactly. good or bad. Striker maybe. might not be a good move, exactly, but Feyenoord, uh, you know, one of those top end teams, he could really do a good job there. We hope, anyway. I'm. I'm <laughs> I'm gonna be honest. Uh, I don't know. I haven't seen I've, any rumors I've seen of big teams knocking on their door for him of all teams. Oh no, I don't think that's gonna happen. Honestly, like, uh, I but I mean, so put it this way: we've seen crazier things of like Braithwaite getting that random call <laughs> for Barcelona or Bergwin at yep. Spurs. Like we never heard of these guys really prior to them just randomly getting that move. So. I mean, it's not out of the question, but I'm with you. I hope he doesn't do that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, okay. Braithwaite was a completely random one. Uh, the fact that they even, like, extended the transfer window to get him, uh, it's a thing for itself. But uh, I feel like Bergwijn, more understandable. The guy was performing pretty consistently. He was... Spurs just I just meant, like, he's not, these, like, he's not a name that was in the radar, like, with top teams around the world it was just it was just spurs like it made sense and he was performing but it's not like there wasn't competition for a signature yeah no that makes sense Uh, 
shows, I guess, how good their squad, uh, their scouting system is. Yeah. Really. You know, he's he's done a good job since coming in. But anyway, at any rate, um, I hope he can keep it up. But considering his Ike history as well, you know, it's very... <laughs> Uh, he's, he's performed he's well at form, Platanias. He's what, 26, 25, 26? Yeah, 26, I think. He's going he's, into his peak as well. Yeah, so he's at that think, age. He might be able to do it. And uh, we hope because God knows we need a striker. Pavlidis is having a great performance. I don't know if you saw that goal he did, had against. Uh, so let's talk about that because I forgot to mention this. And this might need to change during our friendlies and competitions. But there's a lot of talk of where, why was Vance Schimp playing him on the wing in the friendly and whatnot. <laughs> and prior yeah. to that and during that, it made me think. And I went and looked it up. And mid-season where he's playing at, he's been coming in as an attacking id or playing as a left winger for the last, like, 15, 20 games of the season. So mm-hmm. it wasn't that far-fetched of where Van Schip put him because that's where he was getting his success from. Beginning of the season, he was obviously scoring as a striker, but his team was really low. They were kind of yeah. towards the bottom of the table. I think they finished, what, mid-table? They finished one off the drop, I think. Even let me let me double check. Did they? I, I thought they were I higher than that, they, but I could be wrong. They finished, uh, uh, I think, thirteenth, fourteenth, maybe. Let me double check. Yeah, two point two uh, places above the relegation playoffs. Okay. So fourteenth. They okay. didn't have that great of a season. He uh, he scored a lot of the team's goals, I think, as well. He scored a twenty out of forty. It's no not no Yakumaki's number by any means. Well, they were neck and neck, I think, right after the, was it the conference league that we played in? Uh, And they came back and they were played each other, I think, and they each scored like a goal or two. Um, But yeah. Oh, you mean the the Nations League? Nations League, that is. (laughs) Not conference. Sorry, I'm thinking they're bringing out all these new terms for all these damn competitions. Um, But yeah, I mean, 20 goals is still great output from him so no 12 goals i think 12 but i mean the fact he he has been playing left wing as you said that's also where he scored the amazing goal against against uh, his involvement in the offense is more because he gets more touches there and whereas when he was playing striker he's kind of just on an island and we saw that a lot in the nation's league um and why he got criticized a lot and i think that's just not his position honestly yeah and when you look at his entire uh, Willem II career, um, they have, let me see, 66 games, 28 goals. That's almost a goal every two games, which for most strikers is a commendable return. Um, oh, absolutely. Guy, that's a huge return. Yeah, that's a, yeah, that's a, <laughs> that's a great return. And for a guy who's 22, um, you know, not old by any means, still developing, he has a bright future ahead of him. And, the Dutch league is just the right place to develop it. I remember two, three months ago, we had this question from you know Chuck on why players seem to excel in the Eredivisie. It's a discussion for itself, but they do. <laughs> and uh, long may continue, honestly. I feel like that also has a little bit of influence behind Van Schip, obviously because he's Dutch and he does pay attention to those leagues and take uh, influence from it because... I'm curious to know if we would see this spike if Van Schip wasn't even involved with Ethniki at all. 
outside I mean, of the yeah. emergence of Pavlidis and Yakumakis, that could maybe be the reason. But we've seen a lot of rumors like uh, Duvikas just went to Ultrich. Uh, we've got all these links of um, Kaziovani going there and Zolis. I mean, so it, it's. I don't know if it's because of the success of our current Greeks over there, Hadzidakos even being there too, and Yakumakis and them, and the Donis brothers, or if it's the influence of Van Shim, or a combination of the two. Uh, I'd say it's also, yeah, it's a combination of the two. We've also just seen players that are already in Holland just coming to the forefront when they were previously completely unknown. I mean, I'd never heard of Lazarus Rotas, for example, before he was called up by Van Shim. And he wasn't called up after that again. God knows why Mavrias was taking over him. But, uh, <laughs> you know, he showed some he showed some good signs when he was playing. And he's been playing consistently as a starter, which is more than Mavrias can say. And uh, Well, because what, with, with our golden generation, most players were playing where during the Karagunis age and stuff. I think we had a good presence in the German league, I want to say, right? Uh, yeah, German, we had the Gekas, for example, at Nuremberg, I think. Yeah. Or just uh, no, actually Bremen. Uh, they were playing at big teams. I think Salpegiris played over there at some point. Yeah. So um, I guess maybe the the shift has happened since the <laughs> Bundesliga is considered top two or three league, depending on if you're talking to an Italian or Spanish guy. But uh, it's definitely jumped up since then. So maybe you know we've just decided Holland is going to be the the the. It's a good step up, though. We've talked about it numerous times all year on the pod but it's a good place to go to develop yeah definitely and i mean ray hagel was german coach as well so make of that what you will that's Whether true it's a coincidence true. or not yeah that don't is kind of funny much, that much to don't think it is that much to do with it but maybe maybe all right and then last yeah. award before maybe we wrap this up unless you have anything else costa uh who's your flop of the season let's pick flop one for league season. and one for greek players in general that's a big one. So for hmm. <laughs> that's one I uh, that's one I have to think on actually. Um, go ahead and say your suggestions if you want. But uh, uh, Greek flop of the season is gonna. This is a good one too. Ah, uh, I'm gonna say Limios. Oh, of course, yeah. He had a yeah, he's been... decent Nations League showing. It wasn't spectacular, but it was it was all right. Uh, but since then, he didn't feature for Falk much on his way out. He went to Cologne, just was given opportunity, just kind of got phased out. They battling relegation. He's been terrible in the last recent ethnicies. So I'm gonna I'm gonna call Limnos um, for. The league, I can go in two very wild directions. I could say Mitroglu, even though he only yeah, I was gonna go featured in ten, he only featured in ten matches and scored twice, but that whole dynamic was really weird. Uh, for somebody pen as well, like uh... yeah. So for something a little bit more consistently, I'm gonna go with. Hmm. It's a toss-up between a winger from Panathinaikos or from Olympiakos. <laughs> I'd either go <laughs> Hadziovanis or... Uh... Or Rangelovic. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 
Tim, I also Both feel had like very uh, disappointing seasons. I feel like just based off the expectations when they came in, I would also go for Ruben Vinagre, their left back who left in winter. Uh, yeah. Off the pitch, it was more off the pitch reasons that why he didn't succeed. But I think it's kind of both because they also put it in a sense of comparing to the time Podence had there. And I, I don't think that's fair either. Just because he was another yeah. Portuguese guy. Yeah, obviously, I didn't like his off, off the field stuff either. But at the mm-hmm. same time, you can't blame a player, fault them for just not fitting in. There's a lot of players that make those moves and they just don't. Back to Mitroglu, we just talked about. He made lots of moves throughout his career and it just yeah. didn't work. But he found his home at Benfica for that time when he was there. Same thing with Samaras. He had bounced around and found his home at Celtic and, you know, they played Champions League against Barcelona and stuff. There's just, you know, you can't fault him for that. Um, but Actually, one you know, player did forget about uh, Cholak, Spauk, their striker. He has a he had the nightmare. He was a high profile signing, and he had an absolute nightmare. That's a good Don't shout, if... actually. That that might be the flop of the season for the yeah yeah for he's, the Greek league. Actually, <laughs> he's gone. He's still a Pauk player. Uh, he's on loan at Malmo now. Um, he, I mean, what did they buy him for? I think it was uh, they spent a good chunk on him. Three million. Yeah, so for the Greek League, that's a good amount. In the Greek League, that's a yeah, in the Greek League, that's a chunk for sure. And uh, he had a terrible, terrible season. Yeah. All right, so who who are your flops? My flop, I, I would have to go Greek League, Cholak. And uh, abroad, I mean, I was gonna go, uh, yeah, I was gonna go Mitoglu, honestly, because just because he had the terrible first half of the season anyway. You hardly play. I mean, the guy is basically a meme in Marseille. For, or not basically. He is a meme in Marseille. You know, from talking. He's to, a meme uh, anywhere other than Greece and Portugal. He is. He is. Um, he was a meme honestly. in England. I read some stories how the funniest one, and you could probably, if you Google him about his time in Fulham, but this um, sports writer for Fulham at the time. You know, there was all the hype about him coming from Monibiakos. They signed him. And the day they signed him, he said he was going downtown like an hour or two before the game. I think it was a couple hours before the game. He's going yeah. to grab like a drink somewhere. Uh, and sitting at a pizza place, he said he saw Mitroglu there in some shorts and some badofles. And he was just pounding down a burger and some pizza two hours before a match. Um, and just that's been the story. His his focus and mental and fitness has always been off. He he had the same issues. Not in Marseille. In Marseille was really politics. A lot of it. He actually wanted to play and got along well. But when he got loaned off right. to PSV, uh, he had the same problem. He was showed up overweight, wasn't training right, and just a waste of talent man yeah he played well at galatasaray for a short stint when he was there on the yeah he was there for a few important yeah you have he scored i think what one the game winner for them that year or something in a cup or uh for them winning the league or something game exactly um he got some important goals but uh at the end of the day also didn't do as much that much and (laughs) as you said with that burger story um Mekonos FC, what can you say? It's, yeah. 
he'll be their the starting the, forward. The, he's there. the He's the embodiment of Mykonos <laughs> FC. There's no way around that. Yeah, I would have to say uh, Cholak in the lead, Mitrolo. Two strikers. Okay. Good enough. Go Good enough. Well, I guess on that note, should we wrap it up? Anything else yeah, you want to add, Costa? No, that's all from my side. All right. Uh, yeah, that. episode 19, guys. Catch us on Twitter at Big3PodGR. As we mentioned in the last uh, episode, we'll be, I think, ramping up in the summer revitalizing the youtube channel um we've got some ideas and stuff in the works for coverage 